Welcome to Let's Talk with Sanctuary, a podcast for women in ministry and leadership. We hope you'll leave today's conversation knowing that you've found a community of women who understand the dynamics of your ministry life, in marriage, in family, and in the day-to-day. We want you to finish strong. So let's talk and let's redefine sanctuary. Welcome to Let's Talk with Sanctuary. I am Bridget Tomlin, your host. And if you're joining us in real time today, we are already about to wrap up the very first month of 2024. And I don't really know how that happens. It just keeps happening. But how did it happen? So much happening in our world, enough to make your head spin if you don't intentionally center your heart on God's word, his timeline, and his perfect will and timing. And I just want to remind you of what you already know, friend. God is still in control. He does have a plan for all that is going on right now. And he is preparing his bride for the greatest evacuation of all time, the rapture of the church. So let's focus on him in the midst of this mess and follow Christ's example as we continue to pray Let your kingdom come. Let your will be done on earth, in my city, in my life, in my family, as it is in heaven. And today we're going to continue in our second episode of season four, Let's Talk with Sanctuary. And I'm delighted to welcome a new to me friend to the podcast. Her name is Vanessa McGee. Let me tell you just a little bit about Vanessa as we bring what she is going to offer to our conversation to the stage. Vanessa McGee has a passion to inspire and encourage others to discover and value the way that they have been uniquely formed and fashioned by God. And having worked with churches, nonprofits, and businesses for over 25 years, she understands the blessings and unique unique challenges that each of these types of environments bring. She has a diversified background, having worked in the areas of lay counseling, individual coaching, conference speaking and teaching within the local church. Vanessa has a unique style of speaking, utilizing humor and real life experience. And this combination is sure to leave you laughing, entertained, but most importantly, challenged to go and live out God's purpose for your life and celebrate what you were created to be. Vanessa has been married to her her husband, Robbie, for 38 years and is known as Sessa to her three amazing grandkids. I recognize, Vanessa, you did not mention the children that produced those three grandkids. (laughs) We're just like bypassing them, getting to the grandkids. She was born and raised in Texas and currently resides in Frisco, Texas, where she can almost always be found with a book in one hand and a cup of coffee in the other. Vanessa, so delighted that you would give us this time, and I am really looking forward to today's conversation. Thank you so much, Bridget, for having me. I am super excited to be here, and it's going to be, like you said, it's going to be a fun day, and I think people are going to leave challenged and empowered to just literally live out the life that God's created them to have, so it's going to be fun. Well, Vanessa, you're a dear friend of our last episode guest, Sheila Harper. And in my book, if Sheila approves, I'm a fan. I'm a I'm a fan too. And so Vanessa, we're we're excited about what today is gonna hold. Sheila has said you're gonna just have fun. And listen, I'm all about that. <laughs> That's gonna be amazing. So a few weeks back, we spoke with Sheila about the hot topic in our culture today of identity in our culture. 
And I think that there's so much more to unpack on this subject today, but I I definitely want to encourage our listeners to go back and listen to that episode with Sheila because it's a great um, it's a great partner with what I think we're going to cover today. And it's something that we need to be sharing with the generations that are behind us and yet the generations that are before us. And then, of course, right where we're at right now, because this is something that has to be so established. If we don't know who we are, we cannot teach others who they are and help them understand that. And as leaders, we got to know. And Sheila mentioned this. She's like, we got to get our own junk taken care of. We cannot possibly teach other people if we don't have our own junk taken care of. And so definitely want to encourage you to go back there and listen to um, episode number 75. But Vanessa, you have found that helping people better understand themselves has helped them become better at what God has called them to do and to be. And then it's also something that you've worked with ministry and uh, leadership teams work working more efficiently together. So tell us a little bit about how you stumbled into the world of personality assessments and your history with their use in the local church with ministry teams. Well, I'm going to go back to the very, very beginning of my life. And I was born an extremely bubbly child. My mother says that I literally started speaking at six months old, right? Like I started talking (laughs) and I never shut up. And so I was always an extroverted child, a fun-loving child. Uh, Didn't really know, quote, this child had a name to it, right? So uh, fast forward a few years, I met my husband, that who I was going to marry, Robbie. I was 15 years old, and I met him at a a Christian concert, New Year's Eve concert when I was 15. Started dating him when I was 16. I got engaged when I was 17, my senior year of high school. Graduated in May, turned 18 in July, and got married in August of that year. So I'm 18 years old. I'm very young. This is very um, before computers, before internet, before cell phones, before a lot of knowledge, right? So I move uh, about six hours away from where my parents live, and I'm just this fun-loving person thinking that this is going to be amazing. I've met the man of my dreams. We're going to live happily ever after. And so my very first experience with differences in personalities came when uh, I had cleaned our trailer. We had a little 14 by 80 trailer that we lived in. And in my world, right, because I loved attention, I loved approval, he was going to come in and see this wonderful job that I had done cleaning the trailer and just recognize that I was the domestic goddess of his dreams. (laughs) And he walked in and he asked me a question That just startled me because I said, look, I've cleaned our trailer. And he asked me, he says, did you use a toothbrush to clean around the sink? And I was like so perplexed because I grew up in a household where we used toothbrushes to brush our teeth. Right. And I was like, I I don't even know how to answer this. Like and I was like so deflated, like what in the world was that? And then right after that, the next episode was the how the toothpaste was used in our home. Because I just grabbed from the middle, but he rolled from the bottom. Right. And I was like, mm. well, well, it's toothpaste. Well, like, what's the big deal, right? So all of a sudden, all of these little differences that we didn't really have a name for started manifesting in our, you know, our marriage. And so it got to be labeled as kind of a right way to do things and a wrong way to do things. And I happened to be always on the wrong way of doing things, Mm. whether it was cleaning, whether it was, you know, squeezing the toothpaste, whatever it was. So a few years later, we moved to Nashville and we started going to a church there. 
And I was just struggling, right? I was struggling with the way I kept house, the way, you know, I kept our budget. Everything was just, we were so different and we were so opposite, but I did we didn't have a name for these differences. And I remember there was this beautiful lady that went to church there and she walked with such grace and elegance. And every time she walked in a room, it was like this just grace walked in a room. And when I walked in a room, it's like my mouth walked in the room 20 feet before my body did. Uh I was just like this ball of energy, right? So I was very frustrated. And I kept on, the question I kept asking myself was what's wrong with me? Right. Mm. It's like, I just, I don't seem, I seem to always, you know, insert my foot in my mouth. I'm always talking. I don't know when to stop. You know, I don't do this right or whatever. And then I stumbled upon uh, my first book on personalities by Florence Littire. And all of a sudden there was this name for me Mm. and she was sanguine. Right. And all of a sudden it was like this whole world opened up to me and I was asking the wrong question because the question I kept on asking myself was what's wrong with me. But the reality was the question should have been what is right with me. Mm-hmm. And I, d- I had not seen that all of these quirky things about my personality were most of them positive things. It's the way God had gifted me and created me, but because I didn't understand, I was so frustrated. So uh, at that point I just, uh, you know, dove into the teaching that Florence had And it so radically changed who I was because I don't know if you've ever been around somebody who's completely opposite, you know, from you. My husband and I are completely opposite. I mean, like we, every time we test, we each text test extreme in our personalities. It's not like we're just opposite. We're like extremely opposite. And when you have opposite personalities, there's frustration, there's tension because it's like, why don't you do it like me? Well, why don't you do it like me? And then all of a sudden, when I found the personalities, it's like, oh my goodness, I do it a certain way. He does it a certain way. Neither one is right or wrong. It's just different. And how can we learn to live with these differences and celebrate these differences and not be frustrated with the differences? So once I found that out, it literally changed our home. It changed the atmosphere of our home. And I began to like... I literally, I felt like I was the poster child for personalities. And I was so excited that I began to teach it. We started teaching it in our Sunday school class. Every time I had an opportunity to teach it, I would just start teaching it. And when people started getting revelation of who they were, and I mean, just the joy, right? It brings, the joy it brings to your home, the joy it brings to your work. Um, I kind of got labeled the personality lady and it was like, that's just who I became. And it just... Uh, from that point, that's when I began to, you know, uh, just take it out into different ministry teams. And anyone who would listen to me talk about it, I just became, like I said, the walking poster child for personalities and personality tests. Well, I think that that's uh, so important, especially because recognizing that there's not a right and a wrong. There are some lanes of life where there's definite rights and wrongs. And then there's other most lanes that are really driven by preference or personality. Um, And so recognizing what actually is a factor that can be defined as right or wrong and then which ones are not kind of... it releases the the shame stigma or the I'm a failure stigma out of somebody's life. Man, how how much better would we feel if we were able to constantly clearly identify those things about ourselves and about others in a day-to-day consistent environment? 
Absolutely. And when I look at it, because when we talk about personalities, I never want people to feel labeled, right? Like, Mm -hmm. oh, well, you're this or you're this. To me, it's just a recognition. It's a recognition of how you do things. And I always tell people there's no right or wrong personalities. There's only sanctified and unsanctified personalities. Nobody gets a free pass on their personality. All of our personalities have got to be submitted to the Lordship of Jesus, and they have to filter through the Word of God. Mm -hmm. Because so, and it's our weaknesses, right? It's not necessarily our strengths. It's our weaknesses that people really see. And it's like, oh yeah, that's not good or that's not right. And so we have to learn to filter those weaknesses through the word of God and allow the Holy Spirit to temper us, but to not be afraid to be who we're called to be, because that's the beauty of how God created us. He created us in a very unique way to solve problems, to bring his glory to the world. So to embrace that to me is wonderful, but at the same time to know that each of us have to steward correctly what he's gifted us with. Absolutely. Let's talk about women in ministry first, as I believe that Many women struggle with confidence, largely because they struggle to understand their own strengths and weaknesses. And have you noticed a difference in self-awareness between men and women when it comes to these assessments? There's, well, there's two really, um, when I see self-awareness, there's two personalities that I see the most. Uh, and it's with choleric women, the that type A, uh, if you're familiar with the disc personality, it would be the letter D. Uh, these are the type of women who most of the time don't necessarily get embraced by the church because they're strong leaders, right? And so most of the time uh, they can be labeled. They can be labeled with bad words. Mm -hmm. Uh, They can be labeled with spiritual words. Oh, she's just a Jezebel, right? Um, (laughs) And so whenever, whenever they understand that's a gift of leadership that God's given you, right? So you don't want to, you need to learn what your strengths are, learn what your weaknesses are, minimize those weaknesses because you are a strong personality, but you're, you're gifted that way to lead something and it's okay to embrace that. And so I feel like for women, that choleric personality, when they really understand, oh, I'm not a bad person. I feel like there's been a lot of shame put on female leaders, uh, in the Christian world. Mm -hmm. And the, on the other side of that is that, um, because in the four personalities and there's, there's been all kinds of way people have, you know, described them. Um, there is that sanguine personality. Who's the fun loving, like life's a party. Let's just go have fun kind of deal. There's the choleric where they're the doer. They're the action, the type A kind of leader. Then you have that melancholy personality. Who's, uh, that they're the very analytical person, they're very perfectionistic, but they're they're the planners. They're going to have a plan. They're going to know what needs to be done. And then you have that phlegmatic personality that's just this steady, uh, very um, not driven, right? And for men, when you have a phlegmatic man who really understands how God's gifted him, because most leadership, most self-help, most you know business things that are out there are this whole thing or they're driven, right? Go out, kill it, slay it. You know, you're going to do this. And for a phlegmatic man, they're not the driver. They're Mm -hmm. not like, we're going to push it through, but their brilliance is in their steadiness. Mm -hmm. These are wonderful principals and coaches and, and mediators 
who are going to be calm in a situation. They're not going to be the ones out there telling everybody what to do. They're going to be the calm and steady ones. And I've seen men that all of a sudden where they have always felt weaker or less than understand, oh, this is brilliance. This is the brilliance of God in who he's gifted me to be. So those are the uh, really the two that, um, that I've seen that self-awareness, right? Um, I've seen people, other people like sanguine personalities that, um, because they love approval, they love attention, right? And a lot of times, uh, especially when you have, you know, the church or being on stage, they're like, well, they just like to be on stage or they just like to be seen. Well, yeah, they like to be seen. They're, that's who they are. That's who they're created to be. So I think that, um, with all of the personalities that once you understand that it's not, a, I go back to, it's not a right or wrong, but it's who you're gifted to be. And it's just having that awareness of it is where the brilliance comes in. Well, and it would also, I would imagine we might, we'll probably get into this, but it would guide your decisions on what tasks you take on, what paths you take and the ones that you avoid meaning you're going to be a lot less frustrated in your lane of life when you discover how you are hardwired to function. Well, and you talked about Sheila. Uh, I'll just give you an example of my friend uh, Sheila and her husband, Jack. They pastored a church for several years and Sheila has the tendency she can be very driven, right? Let's get it done. We got things to do. Let's, you know, we've got a world to save. Let's do it, right? Well, Jack is very phlegmatic. And when you're pastoring a church, she would be so frustrated. Like, he just won't make a decision. You know, he's, you know, why won't he just do this? Why won't, you know, part of it might have been, why won't he do it my way? But there were many mornings that we would be walking and it's like, and to step back and say, look, Sheila, God knew Jack's personality when he called him to pastor. He knew that he was going to be this steady because that, I mean, Jack is very steady. He's very, he's just that even-keeled, very thoughtful personality. And so she would get frustrated when his personality wasn't like hers. And she would have to step back and realize, okay, this is my personality, but I'm not called to be the pastor, right? And so you have to realize what lane that you're in. And it's not that you don't, uh, offer advice. It's not that you don't set, because for a very um, phlegmatic person, they're going to procrastinate, right? They're not going to want to make a decision. So sometimes you have to put things in place like, okay, by this date, we're going to have a decision made. And then you can think about it through that time. But if you're not careful, you will be frustrated by other people instead of saying, and going back to seeing the brilliance mm-hmm. in who that is. And like I said, I'll say it probably a million times, every personality has strengths and weaknesses, and we need to learn how to minimize those weaknesses while we're playing into the strength of who God's called us to be. Yes, and that just plays out in in overall strengthening the partnership, whether that's in your marriage, if that's on your ministerial or your leadership team as a boss with employees or as an employee with a boss, being right. able to recognize that. I can't imagine that that only would strengthen the the unit and the partnership and that, of course, unity is, is where the Holy Spirit thrives. And so let's talk about how that 
knowing yourself better and understanding those that you're serving alongside or those that you're serving under well, how that really causes some momentum to build up as you're moving towards a common goal? Well, you said it very good as far as unity, right? Because to me, there's two major themes that we're called to for the body of Christ. One is the law of love others the way you love yourself, right? So we are called to love ourselves and to love others. And we're called to walk in unity and peace. So when you know yourself, you have this love for yourself. I think that's why there's a lot of people who are frustrated, right? They don't understand how God's created them. So they don't literally love themselves the way Christ does. And they they have a hard time loving other people because they don't understand people. But once you understand the personalities and once you understand how somebody's wired, because each of the personalities, they have a they're motivated by something and they have an emotional need. And once you know that, you have like this key to that person into their heart and you know how to connect at a different level. So when you when you're when you understand that and because here's the deal, when it comes to personality, there are people, people, and there are task people. There's mm-hmm. introverted people and there's extroverted people. And when you're talking about, you know, a team, putting a team together, I mean, I think about a church, right? You want like your greeters on the front door who love people because they're seeing that person who walks in and they're that's who they're attracted to. If you're not careful and you put a tax task person on that front door, they're more concerned with the accuracy of which the door is being open and closed <laughs> than they are who's coming through the door, right? But it but telling those people that because your, you know, your melancholy personality, the person who can come up with a plan, who's your policies and procedures, who knows, uh, especially when you're talking about, you know, inside a church. They know the distance that the chairs need to be, you know, all the rows to accommodate, and you know, people, whatever. But they're brilliant at that. They're brilliant at when there's a, a big event coming up to make sure that all of the supplies are ordered, that everything is thought through, you know, as far as the details go. Some of the personalities, they don't have a clue about details, right? So I think that when you begin to understand that and empower people and motivate people according to their personality, it it gives them the ability to stay in that lane, right? That God's created them to be and to to just to shine. To me, that's all I can say is to really shine in those the the actual lane that God's called them to and whatever it is, whether it's in the church, whether it's outside the church. I mean, it can be in the grocery store with people you encounter. When you begin to understand that everybody has a unique personality and you begin to connect with that, it just changes your relationships with those kind of people. Listen, we know there are so many avenues through which you receive content between video platforms, social media, email, websites. We are living in an info overload era for sure. But let's also be honest, there just aren't that many outlets designed specifically for women in ministry or ministry wives. The greatest gift you could give to your ministry wife colleagues and community is the gift of a resource designed expressly for them. Something that reminds them they aren't doing this ministry life alone. It's our desire at Sanctuary to love you, support you, resource you, and connect you with other women in ministry across this nation and around the world. We want to go a little bit deeper. So share today's episode with a ministry wife you care about. Subscribe at our site so you don't miss a thing. And discover Sanctuary social media groups on both Facebook and Instagram. 
We can't wait to connect with you. So let's take this home to the marriage. You started out with us um, showing how this played out in your marriage. When I tell the story about how my husband and I got together, a huge part of that story includes my mother, who has always been fascinated with personality assessments. And at the earliest age that's recommended, she assessed my assessed my brother and me through these types of tests. And I can remember one occasion when my now husband, then just a longtime friend, came to dinner at my mother's request. My mom just kept inviting Creston to dinner, even though I had really firmly established we were going to remain in the friend zone. And so she whipped out a personality assessment quiz and had each of us fill out questions before I knew it was happening. I can picture us in the the hearth room of her house doing this, sitting on opposite couches, and I'm sitting here going, I'm looking at her like, what in the world are you doing right now? (laughs) And I believe that she even tweaked a few of my answers to make sure that he and I were magically now compatible. But all joking aside, understanding... What makes each partner in the marriage tick is so helpful in creating and keeping a healthy marriage. And quite honestly, some of the reasons why I was really resistant, Creston and I had dated a little bit long distance when we were in high school. So here we found ourselves in college and I was starting to really understand myself more and more now that I was outside of my family unit, you know, I had moved away. That's a really huge time of self-discovery there in your early young adult years. You had that and marriage. God bless you. I mean, like that's, you know, it's it's kind of like middle school and then there's young adulthood. There's so much self-discovery that's happening at that time. And I was really understanding how much stronger I was becoming in my own temperament and in what I was driven to do, but then how strongly I felt about everything. I mean, there wasn't anything that wasn't a big deal to me. And and Creston was much more on the phlegmatic side, much more tender, much more soft. And all I was thinking was, I'm going to have to harness who I am for the rest of my life, or I'm going to literally sabotage him at every turn. And so turns out that was God's way of making the two of us better, um, you know, in that he was able to, to temper some of the things that I needed to have softened in my life. And I was able to kind of create a little bit of rough edge on him in order to to help him get through what has now become a lifetime of evangelism. But when we look into this understanding who we are, it definitely feeds in making a mel- an otherwise unhealthy marriage more healthy. How does this impact the home? You, you've shared a little bit about this, but we're also talking about the marriage, the parenting, and then how you evolve in seasons of marriage over time. Right. For me, whenever I really understood the personalities, it gave, we just began to operate in a grace to one another, right? Yeah. That I, he had to understand that, look, I'm going to do my best to, whether it's clean the house or do whatever, according to my personality, I'm going to, they're standards, right? I mean, but I'm going to do it. But the grace, he had to give me grace knowing that it was never going to be as perfect as his personality would be. Mm -hmm. And I had to give him grace in areas when it came to his personality, as far as the way he thought, the way he processed. But we just begin to learn how to negotiate our personalities because, and I'll give you a couple examples. Most of the time, the conflict in our marriage would would occur around whether it was the way I kept house, the way I kept money, 
um, the way I ironed his clothes. I mean, he's very melancholy, right? So he wanted all of his clothes ironed and placed in the, I mean, his closet is perfect, right? I'm an iron as you go person. Jesus might come back. Why would you waste your time <laughs> ironing, right? It's not fun. I'm motivated by fun. Ironing is not fun. So he asked, you know, he's like, look, I want my clothes ironed. I'm like, okay, fine. I'll iron your clothes. So I ironed his clothes and it wasn't perfect enough, right? Because he's like, your iron increases. Into, and it's like, well, I'm not doing it on purpose. I like, I don't know what I'm doing. So whether I ironed, he was upset. You know, if I didn't iron, he was upset. So we negotiated dry cleaning into the budget. It's like, how can we create a win-win? Mm-hmm. You want your clothes looking good. Obviously, I can't do it right. Let's put, you know, uh, uh, dry cleaning in the budget. And when it came to the house, I remember one time, he actually wanted me to keep a schedule. Like he wanted to create this schedule, like on this Excel spreadsheet about me cleaning the house. And it's oh like, my. but where's the, like, that's not fun. Like, I exactly. don't know how to do this without fun. And then it was the money, right? He wanted, like, he was very detailed. He was thinking in the future. He was thinking 10 to 15 years in the future, right? What is our later years going to look like? I was thinking five minutes. Like, I didn't even know what I was going to be doing the next week, much less than 10 or 15 years. So when it came to our budget, he was very restrictive, but I needed to have fun. So we we had to create a budget that allowed him to plan for the future, but that gave me some resources to have fun, to have fun with my friends. And we had to create a win-win. And I think that's what, when you really, it's this give and take, right, that How can I feel validated and heard according to my personality? And how can you feel validated and heard according to your personality? So when it comes to the marriage and the home, for me, it just opened up very, um, it helped with our communication because I learned how to communicate to him according to his personality, what he was looking for, what he needed. A lot of times he wanted something clear and concise and he, he gets into that negative caller side. So he's looking for the bottom line. Just give me the bottom line. Um, and for me, I mean, he had to give me grace, you know, in my personality, but it minimized conflict because we knew, right. Uh, I get tickled because I knew that he needed a clean space, like a, a space that was orderly. Right. So when he would come home, I would create a space for him that he could relax because it was a big deal. Was it a big deal to me? No. I mean, it was never going to be like as big a priority to me as it was to him. But for his personality, in order for him to relax, he had to have a clean space. And it's funny because we joke about it, but I'm I'm a talker, right? I love to talk. I talk all the time. I never stop talking. Well, his personality needs space and silence. (laughs) And it was like, I just don't even under, I don't understand that. Right. So used to, when he would come home from the, uh, the church, I would basically, he would open the door and I felt like I was like a verbal assault weapon. Right. Like, (laughs) let me tell you about my day. Let me tell you what happened. And he would just look at me with that deer in the headlight look like, I just need, I need space. And so I, I learned, okay, you need to come in and you need to have some downtime. And I need to respect that in you. But at some point, you need to respect the fact that I need to talk. Like, I Mm -hmm. need to get all this stuff out. So it helped each of us really work on 
What does the other person need? And how can we give that person what they need? And both people, neither one of us need to feel neglected, right? We both need to be heard. But I remember one time we were uh, traveling and we were listening to a personality series by Joyce Meyer. And it was a four seed. This was back in the day of CDs, right? It was four CDs. We had listened to three of them. And we were on the way to the airport, which in my mind, it was perfect time, right? Put in the CD, let's listen to it. And he's like, Vanessa, I need silence. And instead of me, you know, like yelling at him or like, what do you mean you need silence? Let's listen to the CD. I understood that's a need. So I'm going to, I'm not going to listen to this CD. We're going to, we'll pick it up at some other point. So for the marriage, the home, I just feel like it helps to, it helps to increase your communication. It helps to minimize the conflict, but it brings peace and joy. Whenever you can just honor somebody for who God's created them to be, um, the amount of joy and peace it brings to me, that's that's what it's all about. It's about honoring that person and allowing that joy to just settle in into your home. Making room for others to be their best is really the the pinnacle of of harmony in, in any relationship. And it's like I was saying, even just in our situation, you know, I wouldn't call us polar opposites, perhaps in the extreme realm that you are, but definitely different enough that there had to be some concessions made, some understanding, some grace given, like you're saying for sure. And recognizing that there was something that he had to offer that was going to make my personality tendencies better. And that's, that's, I believe that's the pathway is what you're talking about too. There's going to be conflict, but yeah. but but easier ways and, and quicker ways to resolve conflict where that's not something you're living in all day long, every day. Absolutely. Absolutely. And so then we've got parenting your children. <laughs> you know, it's uncanny how uniquely every child, how uniquely different every child is, even if they're being raised in the exact same home. So how does a parent incorporate these types of assessments in in better understanding each child? And I know that we don't want to shape their identity with these types of considerations too soon, but when is the right time? How do you use that? How do you use that without making it more of a tool against them, but also, but more in, a, in an equipping type of way? Right. And our children, I mean, God's given us our children to steward, right? And it's looking at, he has wired them in a certain way. And how do we take that and grow it to be who he's created them to be? And for me, it's, I mean, cause you can go and I, I mean, I just encourage people, you can go to a church nursery on any Sunday and you can see the personalities being played out at the littlest of ages. Oh yeah, There is some little girl who's telling everybody what toys they can play with, where they can sit, whether they can have a snack or not. You have kids who are lining up, you know, the the little trucks and they're going to be color coded. They're going to be very, you know, precise and in place. There's going to be a little girl that's, you know, twirling, singing to the top of her voice, oblivious to what's going on in the rest. Of, right. So you can see it. You can see these tendencies in yeah. children from the youngest of ages. And I think that, I mean, and we just had an episode play out, you know, this week and we're watching our grandkids this week. And one of our little granddaughters is very much more melancholy in her personality. So she likes things a very certain way and wants it, you know, and it happened to be with her luggage, right? Her brother spilled, you know, out her clothes and it messed everything up. And she just, it sent her into a tizzy because her perfect 
packed bag was now all over the floor. So it was a teaching lesson for him. It's like, look, your sister likes her stuff to be very neat and orderly, and you messed that up. So you need to apologize. And then we told her, it's okay to like your stuff neat, but the way you respond to your brother, you have to do it in kindness, right? So it's it's not given, nobody gets a free pass. Nobody can just be a jerk about anything, but to, and not to shame them, right? Mm-hmm. Because I think a lot of times with kids, especially, and I'll just use, you know, the sanguine child who wants to have fun, right? You tell them to go clean their, their room. They will do it in a way that's probably not going to be perfect. And if you're the perfect parent and you walk into their room, their bed is not going to have military corners on the edges that you can, you know, bounce a quarter off of because it's not wired within them to have this very perfectionistic type of room. And so I think the brilliance of looking at your children is to see, you know, how they're wired to help grow them, right? Because you want them to be able to to do certain tasks and you want them to be able to, you know, be a productive member of society. (laughs) But at the same time, not shame them, you know, and, and not compare them, right? Why aren't you like your brother? Why can't mm-hmm. you, why can't you keep your room like your brother, you know, or why can't you do this like your sister? And I think when you understand the differences in them, that it's very easy to help grow that and to help recognize that, but to help them be comfortable in their skin. Cause I've, my husband actually pointed this out to me. There was a family at our church that had two boys and, uh, and one of the boys was just very cute and outgoing. Right. And I had a tendency to really play into that, you know, oh my gosh, you're just adorable. You're so cute or whatever. And not recognizing the other child and what his strengths were. Right. And so I think to really, to help, you know, understand that all kids are different. They all have strengths, but to not shame them if they're not that bubbly kid or if they're not that happy kid, or, you know, they're not the organized kid to make sure that we, we recognize their strengths and we help them to develop if there's any weaknesses, what those are. And I have a friend, she had a sanguine child that would never shut up. And she's like, I can't deal with him. Like, he's like, he's just like constantly mommy, 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 you know, asking questions, you know, asking questions. And she's like, what do I do? Because he won't shut up. And I was like, well, tell him, you know, give him a number. Tell him he can ask you three questions. And after that, he has to give mommy a break because she has to process what's going on. But if you don't understand that, you know, you can tell your kid, you know, shut up. You're getting on my nerves or whatever. You can really destroy a child if you're not careful about really pointing out uh, the those strengths that he has. So that's what I would just encourage parents is just to really um, understand them don't shame them, but to play to their strengths and help them understand that there are strengths and that God created them. Uh, He wired them that way. And it's a beautiful thing. It is a beautiful thing. And it can be, uh, as you're saying, make or break for the longevity of what they clearly identify as a human being and how they see them. I mean, all of us, I think women especially have a lot of these um, messages that we hear in our heads perhaps that no one spoke with words, uh, but that just in the environments within with which we are raised, that we hear those loud voices all the time. And, 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 and women especially hear those things so loudly in their minds. 
And we have to be able to, to, especially as we're parenting, to be careful that we're not a partner to those shaming right. messages, but we're also not partner to the the lack of stewardship. I mean, you mentioned that word, recognizing Absolutely. someone else. And I've said this to my daughters, there's going to be a day that you're going to work for somebody that is not going to understand who you are. And it is your responsibility to recognize who you are within the environment with which within God, what it, where, whatever that is, where God has planted you at the time and educate others on why you think the way that you do and give them grace for the reason, the way that they think. Because otherwise, I mean, I, I'm, we're going to give them grace because they're in our home. We've known them since they took their first breath. But most people in the world beyond them and beyond our home, they don't care that all you want is fun and that <laughs> uh, you can't do your job because you're driven towards fun. No, they expect you to still fulfill your duties, to live up to the reason why they're giving you a paycheck, to fulfill the uh, the, cap- the capabilities that you told them that you had. You're still going to have to show up. Now, you can make it fun, but you're going to have to have that. So the world doesn't care what your personality is until you recognize who you are fully and are able to to temper all of that to accommodate the tasks at hand and the environment to work towards a common goal. And that's so important. So for the woman who's leading, whether that be a committee of volunteers at the church, on her workplace, perhaps the worship team, she's maybe investing in the pastoral staff, where is a good place to start? And how do you go about facilitating this type of assessment with those that you lead? Because I I mean, majority of our listeners are leading teams in some capacity, whether that be just trying to get enough people to fill the nursery slots, maybe trying to say, yes, you belong in the worship team or no, let's find you something in the media booth. Um, uh, Yes, you should be on the platform or no, you should be stacking chairs. Trying to assess all those things is the first step, but then you've got to find a way to help other people understand that about themselves. And as the old song says, when we all pull together, how happy we'll be. How do you lead teams towards that? What's what's what are some good steps to take in, in providing those assessments? Right. Uh, I would begin really with your themselves, right? To start with themselves and to get a book, to take a test and really understand who God's created them to be, because I really feel like there are a lot of leaders who don't understand how they're wired Mm -hmm. and how, what their strengths are. And when they have awareness, then all of a sudden they will begin to see the other people that God has put in a sphere of influence. And then, I mean, it can be, there's, there's formal ways that you can do it. You can do it in a staff meeting. You can do it in a leadership training. We've done uh, a leadership training of all of our volunteers, right? Mm-hmm. Where when uh, when they came together, we did a very simple test. I mean, and we made it fun, right? Because you have to have fun. And we divided, you know, the different personalities up, but to teach them and to teach them the awareness of these are the strengths of the personalities. This is what it looks like in operation. So you can do it in a leadership format. Uh, it was part of our premarital curriculum that we taught Uh, It was part of our growth track that we taught. So every volunteer coming into the church that wanted to serve, they were actually taught their uh, personality and their giftings. So I think there's those formal ways uh, through Bible studies, through um, I used to teach a ladies Bible study that that was part of, you know, the whole Bible study was understanding your personalities. Uh, An informal way is as simple as gathering people on your team and do it. You can do Zoom calls. You can do a book club. 
find a resource. There's so many wonderful resources. One of my favorite is uh, there's uh, Florence Littar was the she was kind of like the the queen of personalities uh, in the day in the Christian world, right? And then her and her daughter wrote a book. Um, it's called Wired That Way, and I love this book because she goes into the marriage, she goes into your children, she goes into the workplace, and it's a very concise and very practical guide on what this looks like and how it's played out, right? And so whether it's, uh, because I know a lot of people, they don't have time to quote research for themselves, right? She's done all the research and it's, uh, you can actually take her test, I think, online is like four dollars or whatever. You can get her uh, resources for it, but it would, uh, I think, for a book club or just you know a little, you know, maybe once uh, for a month, every Monday night, you know, just gather whatever. But there's, I don't, I think it can be a very formal in the way of teaching, but I do believe it can be very informal by the way of conversation, right? Just to have those conversations with people, and it's empowering when you begin. When you see the light bulb come on for people to realize, oh my goodness, I am fearfully and wonderfully made Mm -hmm. and I'm carrying something, right? And so when you see that and you empower people with that, that's to me one of the most empowering things is to empower people to know who God's created them to be and for them to just settle into that and to watch that come alive and to, um, to give it to other people, especially in the church world. Yeah, I completely agree. You know, there was a time just a few years ago, in fact, that I was um, the administrator at a church here locally. Actually, it was the home church that we attended as a family. And um, I had been on staff there for about a year, year and a half. And the pastor who had been there for nearly 30 years was preparing himself in the church for him to retire from that role and to transition to a new lead pastor. And I quickly discovered that a lot of the reason why I had been placed in that position was probably to to be more of a uh, an anchor uh, because by the time all of the transition had happened I had been on staff for about two two and a half years and I was at that time then the longest tenured uh, ministry staff uh, that they had after having had a pastor for nearly three decades so it was a major major transition for this church and what we found to be really helpful early on, was establishing something like this in our our early staff meetings as more new staff members were being added as others, you know, as that typically happens in transition of a lead pastor, you know, former staff members eventually find other, they find their exit ramp and, and it doesn't always happen. But even if it doesn't, it's all the more important for that that camaraderie and that understanding to be kind of fast-tracked. And so we had a lot of conversations. I know there's a lot of people in the Christian realm that are, you know, on one side of the fence or the other over the Enneagram. Um, but it was something that we, it was a tool that we used. Um, and I will say it was tremendously helpful for me personally. And I think that you have to use all of these personalities within context of, and framework of God's word. Um, but it helped us so much to understand one another very quickly in our communication because we had to decide and be able to come to terms with how we had previously done things, how things had always been done at that church, but with completely different leadership, 
how are we going to do things in the future? And who's going to be the person that we lean on for this, this area versus that? And so I think that seasons of transition are also a great opportunity to provide you that on, on-ramp, if you will, to be able to take these assessments, whether it be formally or informally, and to establish an understanding of who each person is designed um, by God to be, what things they bring to the table, what are their strengths, maybe what are their weaknesses. We don't like to own our weaknesses, but if right. we don't, we can't give them to Jesus. Jesus. And if we don't give them to Jesus, he can't be made perfect in and through us. And so owning those weaknesses is just as important as recognizing your strengths, because it means that you can you can clearly identify, okay, I need to bring someone else, a backup here to help me because I'm not going to meet, meet the mark here. It's kind of like you with the dry cleaners, you know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I recognize sure. my weakness in ironing, and I recognize the strength of the dry cleaners in doing it to my husband's standards. So therefore, we're going to bring this partner into this mix so that both of us are winning. One of us is not feeling um, gypped. The other one's not feeling like a failure, but everyone is winning. And it's such a beautiful thing um, for us to come into that understanding, whatever tool that may be. Transition in the beginning of the new year is also a great time to do that. So wonderful. So you and your husband, let's, I know we got to wrap this up here, but you and your husband um, use a lot of these tools in the things that you do, whether it be in uh, business coaching or in ministerial leadership training, those kinds of things. Tell us about how our listeners can kind of tap into the resource that is Vanessa and Robbie. So if they wanted to reach out, uh, my husband runs a coaching and consulting service. I would just call myself the relational person, right? I'm the relation person uh, behind all the business stuff that he does. He's the business guru when it comes to whether it's the spreadsheets, the business, the profit, the loss or whatever. And I just come in with a relational component. But if there's any uh, way that they we can serve any of your listeners, if they want to reach out, uh, our website is simple. It's uh, mcgeeinc.com. Uh, if somebody wants to email me, uh, because of my personality, I have 40,000 unread emails. I'll, <laughs> <laughs> I'll try to get to your email. But uh, but yeah, he's just, he's very gifted when it comes to, he works with a lot of individuals, but a lot of businesses, nonprofits, and churches in different aspects because of his experience. Um, he's he's done it all. So uh, yeah, awesome. we would love to connect with any of your leaders and uh, any way that we can help uh, bring uh, clarification to problems that they're having, we would love to do that. Awesome. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Vanessa. I think this has been such a good conversation. Hopefully it'll be a um, a jumpstart for those of us who are really, if in any lane of your life, these are things that can be a valuable, valuable resource for growth. And we're all looking to become better and more like Christ in everything that we do. So hopefully we can lead more people and be ready when he comes back. So be blessed. Thank you to our listeners for joining us today. And we look forward to seeing you again in about two weeks. When it comes to sanctuary, nothing embodies all that we are all about quite like our annual Let's Retreat. We want you to leave a sanctuary Let's Retreat truly rested, refreshed, and restored. These events are designed for the full-time ministry wife to redefine sanctuary as a place of haven and rest. So check out the recap from our 2023 Let's Retreat events and be on the lookout for how you can secure a suite at one of this year's Let's Retreat events by visiting SanctuaryMinistryWives.com. Click on Let's Retreat.